Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Beers with Dad Pod. Again this week, it is John, myself, hosting this show and along with me for the ride, I have Chris and Nick. Hey fellas, how you doing this week? Hey guys, how's it going? I see what you did there, John. I'm doing great. Thank you. Oh, yeah. So it's been uh, it's been a week. It's been a week for, I think, all of us. And so we're coming back together and we're going to talk about craft beer, we're going to talk about being a dad and see if we can get some of those experiences that uh, hit a little bit on both. So I'm going to catch up with uh, my two co-hosts right now. You uh, know how we do this with a little bit of high, low buffalo. So Chris, it's been a week. I know you've... Uh, You've probably got some stories to tell. Hit me with your high-low buffalo. Uh, Awesome. Yeah, thanks, man. So high-low buffalo. Uh, High is I am on vacation this week. Actually, two weeks. Or as John likes to call it, fun employment. Uh, I'm between jobs. I took two weeks off between jobs. I don't start my next job until, well, later. And as far as I'm concerned, the vacation that you take between jobs is like no other. It's the best. Like You don't have to worry about email. You can just kind of wash your hands of everything that you left behind. Like me. Yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, well, I, yeah, we'll, we'll get to, we'll get to that in a moment, but anyway, being on vacation this week has been glorious. Uh, the low has to do with live music. So a band that I really like called Sun Squabby was in town on Saturday night and I met some friends I'm the only person other than Nick. I'm the only person I know that likes jam bands. Like anytime I say, Hey, there's a jam band coming to town. It's like, I ask someone to help me move. You know, it's like, Oh, I, <laughs> I'm busy that we can. I like music. Just not, uh, not that. Yeah, music. Exactly. Sideways I mean, glances with that one. Yes. So yeah, that's exactly what happened. Uh, anyway, I met up with some friends before the show to have a couple of drinks and stayed a little longer than I should have. Also thought the show started at nine. It started at eight. So I leave the venue where I was hanging out with my friends, which is decent drive away from the venue where the band was playing. And I have... As I've mentioned on this podcast, I have an RV. To pull that RV, I have a ginormous truck, just an obnoxiously large truck that I wouldn't otherwise be driving. So it takes me a while to find parking spots sometimes, especially in downtown Austin, which is where the venue was. So by the time I found a place to park, walk to the venue, I walk in just in time to hear them say, thank you so much, Austin. We're Sun Squabby. Have a good night. Yeah. That's a kick in the gut. Yeah. Didn't didn't go quite as I had planned. Anyway, so that's the low. The Buffalo, as I mentioned before, I'm on vacation this week, and which has been awesome. It has been, though, a little bittersweet because I have, you know, I left a job with some exceptionally wonderful people like John. Oh, yes. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, the other people on my team are just great people. They will be sorely missed, but I felt like it was the right thing to do for my career. So I did it. Anyway, that's my high low Buffalo for this week. Yeah. And nobody's, nobody's blaming you for it. Same here. You know, it's, uh, it's sad not seeing you in the virtual halls known as Microsoft Teams. And uh, you'll definitely, definitely be missed. But everybody understands that uh, sometimes you have to look out for your career. And sad to see you go, but glad that we still have the pod to get together once a week, if not, you know, in between for a beer or two. Yep. And your story about Sun Squabby reminds me of one time where I got to, I was going to OzFest uh, and it was like the one Ozfest of the year, and Metallica was playing at it. Super stoked! Um, this was back in the days of a TomTom GPS unit before they, <laughs> you know, you could just pull it up on your phone. And the venue was so new, and I guess I hadn't updated the SIM card for my TomTom or whatever that it took like an hour and a half to get there. It was in the venue was in Frisco, Texas. And I was staying at my aunt's house in, I don't know, Arlington or one of those places that is the DFW complex. And it was like an hour and a half to get there. I get there, get out of the car, can hear one of the bands that I really want to hear is just about to start. And I look around, no tickets. I had left the tickets back at my aunt's house. Ouch. So about two and a half hours later, I was back. And, you know, I I missed a band or two, but whatever stuff happens 
still got to enjoy the show. Hey, at least you uh, knew where you were going the second time. Kind of, kind of, because it was still just like trying to write down streets as we were going back to remember because Tom Tom hadn't uh, quite figured it out yet. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so thanks for sharing your high-low buffalo, Chris. Uh, Nick, do you have a kitchen yet? And what is your high-low buffalo? Well, John, I'm glad you asked. Uh, we do have most of a kitchen. We have uh, the the functioning parts of a kitchen. So yes, we have a kitchen. Nice, nice. Getting yes. there. Uh, but I'm gonna break from that a bit and do a little bit different. Uh, high this week was IKEA carries uh, you know very very specific sizes of shelves. And we had and Swedish meatballs. Or, and yes, very, very specific sizes of Swedish meatballs as well. Uh, we have been looking for this particular shelf in this particular color for months, literally months. And for some reason, it just goes in stock and goes immediately out of stock. Don't know the reasoning behind that. But anyway, this particular shelf is extremely difficult to find. And we were able to just happen to be in Fort Worth for the weekend and we're able to snag Two of those shelves, which is exactly what we needed. We were able to snag those from the Fort Worth Ikea, 200 miles away from our own home. Uh, So that was really exciting. Let me present to you domesticated man. (laughs) That was my high, yeah. Low has got to be the wiring in our house. We've just discovered that the kitchen wiring for the overhead lamp that we haven't had for a long time is going to need to be completely redone. So minor bump in the road, all things considered, but that was not... Not something I wanted to hear this week. So I'll, I'll say that's low. Um, buffalo. Buffalo for me was a literal buffalo. Vivian got to go out to the exotic zoo just right down the street in Johnson City and here in Texas. Uh, and they have actual buffaloes that you can feed. Uh, so I got to uh, got to see literal buffaloes for my buffalo this week. Well done. Well played, sir. I have not heard of the feeding buffaloes. Might have to uh, check that out. Have y'all ever seen, um, I want to do it with the kids at some point, but there's a like an elephant sanctuary in the, like the Fredericksburg area where you can go and like help take care of the elephants and interact with these elephants. And it's like this elephant rescue sanctuary. Have you heard of this? No, but that sounds amazing. Yeah, it's one of those things. I One of these days will kind of make the trek out there and it's supposed to be a pretty fantastic experience. And it's definitely not, you know, a zoo where you're just handing them peanuts through bars. It's a whole you're helping to take care of the animals for the day from what I understand. So kind of makes me think of that. But thanks for sharing your high-low buffalo, Nick. So my high-low buffalo of the week, and I have to preface my high a little bit because it's going to come off a little weird. When I say this, it's not because I don't want to spend time with my son and want someone else to do that and to raise him. Um, My high of the week is that my son, he's about two and a half years old, got to go back to his in-home daycare this week. It's somebody that's been in our family since our daughter was, I think, just over a year old. Fantastic woman. She's been taking care of kids forever. It's an in-home daycare in our area. And we had pulled our son out in March of last year, kind of as everything was getting pretty serious with COVID. And we were particularly concerned about him because he was born with a a VSD. Essentially, it's a structural heart defect. And it's a very small hole in his heart. And it's something that most kids grow out of in six months to a year time frame. And when uh, the last time we went to the pediatric cardiologist, he was fine and everything looked normal and so on and so forth. But, you know, with COVID, one of the things that was showing in kids that got it were it was doing some damage to the heart and causing inflammation. And it was, you know, just kind of scary for us. So um, we decided to be very cautious with him and we were very fortunate, very blessed to both be able to work from home and take care of them and, you know, really do that until until now. And we know that my wife's going back to uh, in-person school in August. And one day, maybe my company will tell me what the plan is for us going back to work. Because I am pretty sure that it's going to be um, sooner rather than later. But we wanted to kind of get him acclimated while we were both still at home to going back to the sitters. And so he started last week going back. And the reason that it's my high is because, you know, he's spent the last year and a half with us and his older sister, who's uh, nine and a half. There's a seven year age gap there. So they do play together well and they've developed a really, really close bond over this time. But at the same time, there is a bit of an age gap. And so the 
kind of level of playing for both of them is it's just not the same as him getting to interact with kids his own age. And so now, you know, he's back at uh, at the in-home daycare and he's getting to, you know, hang out with kids his own age and, at, you know, kind of where he is developmentally. And so it's been pretty cool, you know, when I go to pick him up and, you know, see him chit-chatting with the other toddlers. And while it's been hard to not see him all the time every day, I still get to see him every day, which there are definitely some parents who don't get to say that. So I do get to see him every day. But, you know, it's kind of one of those things where popping out of my office at any time and being able to go and give him a hug or whatever. There's three days a week now where that's not the case, but that's somewhat of a privileged thing to say. But I'm just really glad that he's getting to interact with kids his own age and kind of having fun and just getting to be a little bit more normal. My low has to do with beer and it has to do with one of the weirdest slash worst experiences I've ever had with a beer in a brewery. Finished up uh, a little bit ago, the Barks with Beers and one of the last breweries I was not excited to go to. I've had their beer. It's not great. I've never had anything good. I've never had anything that seemed like it particularly took any effort. One of their most recent releases, they used uh, sticker labels on a can, which usually isn't that big of a deal, but this time they overlaid it uh, on a can of something that I think also didn't work. And this beer that they did that with was also not good. But we went out there and I tried to go with as much of an open mind as I could. Go up to the bar, go to order. And I figured, let me get the Kolsch. It's hard to mess up and hopefully it should be pretty safe. And then I saw a Berliner Weiss, which my wife generally kind of likes, like I said last week, she likes stouts, but she also likes tart beers, whether it's a you know traditional sour or a sour wheat beer like the Berliner Weiss and the young man at the counter. He said, hey, do you want a flavor? I, I thought that was a little strange. I uh, thought, okay, well, maybe they have a kind of base Berliner Weiss and then they have different variants of that, different flavors of that. So I said, yeah, sure. And he goes, well, we've got this, that, and lavender. And I was like, okay, well, I've had lavender and beers before and my wife loves lavender. So let's give it a shot. So I said, yeah, go ahead and give me the lavender. And so I'm kind of looking around the bar, whatever, and see him pouring. And before I can stop him, what I came to realize he meant by a flavor was that he uh, was going to take the Monin coffee syrups and squirt three or four pumps into the beer. I should have just kind of said no thank you at that point, but I said, you know what? Keep it an open mind. I've never seen this done before. Maybe they're onto something. Maybe this is going to be huge. The beer kind of looked like somebody had just squirted soap into it. Kind of was weird. Weird particulates kind of floating in there. But again, give it a shot. Give it to my wife. Um, she's like, oh, this, uh, this really smells like soap. And then she took a sip of it and she was like, nope, that's it. I, no, I'm done. And she said, yeah, go ahead and try it. And I'll try any beer or pretty much any food once. And so I took a sip and it was disgusting. It both tasted overwhelmingly like soap, like she said, and that's the lavender part. I'm sure it would have been just as strong if I had taken the raspberry or whatever the other flavors were. I don't know, tiger's blood, like it's evidently a snow cone. But it was also greasy. I mean, it it, it was like drinking hand soap. It was it was just awful. And I took a few sips of my Kolsch and I wasn't impressed. And, you know, Nick mentioned last week when we were talking about Old Rasputin, how this wasn't the beer, uh, if you were going to you know, be counting calories. Listen, no beer is the beer if you're going to be counting calories. Yes, there's Michelob Ultra. And if you're trying to enjoy beer and keep down on calories, I guess that's a solution for you to me. Like if you want beer, have a beer you're going to enjoy and just accept that it's going to come with calories and maybe do a few extra sets at the gym. But I was not going to waste calories on these beers. So I finished maybe a third of my beer. Again, we took two sips from my wife's beer and we just put them back on the counter and said, no, thank you. And please stop doing that. So that was my low. You didn't like the aloe and lanolin Berliner Weiss? I mean, I guess that's next. I, for the life of me, I was just perplexed. I, I can't, I can't explain it. I don't know what they were thinking. I can see how there are a lot of young kids that work out at this particular brewery. And by young kids, I mean, probably early 20s. And I have to imagine that they were like, hey, what happens if we do this? But most of the time when you do that, it doesn't make it to the front where you're serving it to customers who are paying for the beers. So I'm really surprised it made that transition. Well, but I digress. Swing and a miss. I, for one, applaud their experimental spirit there. I mean, it doesn't work as always. So yeah. We don't we don't get to where we are without making a few messed ups on the way. Yeah, I, I have had some beers 
blended beers uh, from folks that I, you know, have come to know and trust at some of my favorite breweries here around town that actually blended were really, really good. I think you can blend beer with other beers. Yeah, that's what this was. You can blend beer with maybe a shot of another alcohol, like a Irish car bomb. You can, like I was talking about last week with the frozen peach shandy. I've seen also like Blue Owl do kind of frozen daiquiri-esque beers. You can't just stick coffee syrup in it. And I understand the like, we can't, you know, make progress if we don't crack a few eggs or whatever. You don't make an omelet without cracking a few eggs. This, this is not progressing the beer industry at all. This is just awful. It's just something that should have never made it there, and it was terrible, and they should feel terrible for doing it. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I won't, you know, when we when we speak ill of breweries, I don't think we like to uh, mention them by name because, again, we're not trying to damage their reputation or talk trash here. It's just experiences that we've had. So my Buffalo was last week... Uh, last weekend was my anniversary and Pint House Pizza, one of my favorite local breweries, said that they were going to do a passport program. And so essentially you had these lists of tasks and you had to complete them all. And then there was a special prize at the end. They said, hey, you know, while supplies last, it came out on Tuesday or Wednesday. We were going out on Sunday. I was like, eh, this is no big deal. I do accept my piece of this that I should have gone sooner than I did, but it is what it is. So part of it was you have to have a pint at each four of the breweries. So we get to the first one and I go up to the bar and I was like, hey, I'll, uh, can I get one of the passports? And the guy goes, oh yeah, we ran out of those like a couple days ago. Cool. Do you know if any of the other ones have it? Uh, I think the Round Rock location might. Round Rock is a suburb of Austin. Um, and the guy was like, yeah, but you know, Round Rock doesn't really have a craft beer scene. So they might have some. I was like, you don't know that I'm not from Round Rock. And um, maybe maybe don't make me feel weird about uh, where I live. But anyways, and so I was like, okay, cool. Well, let me go ahead and get pints. And then I go and sit down and tell my wife the bad news. She is not particularly pleased because it was kind of, this is our anniversary and this is our plan to celebrate it because we both love not only beer, but Pine House and in particular, we've had a lot of parties there. We've been going there probably six, seven years at this point. So I call the uh, another location that's close to this location and say, hey, do you guys have any passports? The guy's like, yeah, absolutely. No problem. You got it. I've got passports. Pop on over and we'll get you one. Cool. I drive the 10, 15 minutes over there, leave my wife and kid back at the other location, get there. And same guy who talked to me on the phone is at the bar. And so I talked to him and he's like, yeah, no problem. Let me go snag you one. Walks around the bar. He's looking in nooks and crannies, goes behind the pizza counter, goes talks to people in the back. Five, 10 minutes later, comes back and says, oh man, I'm really sorry. Uh, I guess I should have checked. Yeah, we're actually out of those. So sorry about that. Uh, you know, maybe try uh, the other location. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm at that location. So they're not there. Oh, really sorry, man. I was like, no, you know what? No problem. Whatever. Go back to the location where my wife is and say, hey, even though they said they had him, he didn't actually look. So whatever. And what I came to realize and why it's kind of a buffalo, because it was just like high, low, high. She just thought that I wouldn't want to still do the tasks. Like they, you could look on their website what the tasks were. And so I was like, no, I'm, I'm down. Like let's, let's still complete all of them. And so it was like, have a beer at all four of them. And you know, a few other kind of odds and ends. And by the end of the day, like eight, eight thirty at night, we had done all the tasks. We took pictures of it. We posted about it. We still had a blast going around all the different pine houses. And, you know, it was it was a good time. So that was my Buffalo, something that kind of was an all over the place event. So I talked about a beer in my high low Buffalo, an unfortunate experience, but We also, as part of catching up every week, we like to, you know, kind of see what everybody's had. You know, have you had something good, something bad, something you want to talk about, something that maybe confused you? And a little segment we like to call What You Drinking? So I'll start with Chris. Hey, Chris, uh, what you drinking? Hey, John. I had a black IPA by a place up in your neck of the woods called Redhorn called, I guess it's called The Sun, but it's S dot o dot n okay okay yeah anyway uh i had uh or you know aka cascadian dark ale called the sun it was really 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 good i i'm uh the more i have them the more of a fan i am of the black ipas i think they're i think they're great i love the roastiness combined with the bitterness of an ipa and i highly recommend them 
Yeah, I feel like it's a bit of an under undervalued, a little bit overlooked. I agree. No, I was just going to say, I think it has to be done well, because I think, you know, kind of with those two competing ends while trying to make it light so it's not like a hoppy stout, I think it can be a little tricky to get right. But yeah, I mean, when you get it right, like it, it can be really delicious because it does kind of blend a little bit of like the good parts of a stout with the good parts of an IPA while not being too heavy. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It was really, really good. And if you get the opportunity, go try it. Nice, nice. Well, Nick, you did switch it up last week from La Verdad, and you told us about your adventures in the in the Pacific Northwest. So I'm really hoping this week isn't back to, hey, guess what, guys? I had a lot of La Verdad. So Nick, what you drinking? Well, you'll be happy to know then that I did not actually have a lot of La Verdad. We uh, were able to make it back out to Johnson City again, just to go. That's just such a delightful place. Beautiful area. Got a lot of uh, really neat things to see out there. Uh, but anyway, we found ourselves out at Pecan Street Brewing for brunch on a Sunday. Uh, and uh, we got to hang out with their head brewer there. Uh, and we got to try some things that they haven't got on tap yet. Uh, but what they did have on tap was a Czech Pills that I thought was delightful. Uh, surprisingly delightful, really. I, I don't know that you ever go into any place expecting to, to you know, find find something so notably good. But I'll be, I'll be, I'll be darned if uh, if I didn't this time. Uh, so Pecan Street Brewing, well done. Nice, nice, very cool. Yeah, it's one of the ones I'll have to make the trek out maybe to go feed some buffalo and have some beers. We were just talking about a another check pills before uh, you jumped on, Nick. Uh, it was the one by Zilker. What's the name of that? It was for the East Side Pool Party, benefiting homeless immigrants, which, man, if you don't want to give money to that, where's your heart at? Yeah, it's just, I think it's just called checker style pills. Yeah, so checker style pills. I now am really looking to find those exceptional pilsners, Czech pilsners after that first episode that we did and really going back to what a classic pilsner is and and can be when it's done well. And I had that uh, checker pills. I got a four pack of it. Actually, as we were leaving Zilker, the three of us got together to uh, share a couple pints and I was blown away because it was just a really traditionally done classic pilsner. And when you do something even as kind of simple as that, but you do it that well, it becomes elegant, I think. That is not my what you're drinking, though. My what you're drinking is from a brewery called 903 up in North Texas. These guys kill it with their adjunct stouts. They do some other things well. They have like a sour smoothie series that's pretty fun, but their adjunct stouts, I mean, I feel like they tell you what's on the can, that's what you're going to get. So this beer beer is called Milkshake and Fries, and it's a milk stout that tastes like a Wendy's Frosty once you've dipped your fries in it. And it is so good. I had uh, got a four pack of them because my wife loves the Wendy's Frosty and Fries combo. She had it first and it just tastes like, it's not just like a chocolate milk, it's like the chocolate malt taste and then you get this very strong but not overpowering kind of hint of salt oh man just so well done and those guys at 903 i don't i don't know if they've got some you know crazy chemist in the back just doing things or if it's just a lot of trial and error but man it's just so every time they do one of these adjunct stouts just really really delicious so that's my what you drinking for the week Next, we kind of usually do a demystifying the craft, talk about something for kind of newer beer drinkers, help them maybe feel a little bit more comfortable when they're talking to their friends about craft beer or going to their beer section at their local store. But this week, I kind of thought we'd turn it on its head. There's been some kind of recent incidents. Again, we don't really get political here and we're not going to get political now, but I think we've all had the experience in our craft beer journey of maybe coming across whether it was a bottle shop owner or a bartender or somebody who thought they knew more about you than beer and kind of talked down to you or, you know, hey, well, I've had these really rare blah, blah, blahs and and talked down to you. And, you know, really what what I want to say, and it's, again, this time not for the newbies, but for the really experienced folks and the folks that are in craft beer is let's just be kind, right? Like, we, the three of us love craft beer. And part of it is that it's, it's such a community and the community is what has made craft beer what it is today. It's getting together with friends and and opening some bottles and sharing them and 
float in the river and hey man you know like chris said last time i brought han's pills oh cool i bought i brought you know river beer i brought this and you know it's just beer is meant to be fun it's it's meant to bring joy it's meant to build community and let's do that like never think that somebody knows less than you or if they do come at it from a point of education and a point of wanting to bring them closer into that community, not a point of like pushing them out. And, you know, to the same point, I think beer is kind of thought of as this really male dominated industry and male dominated beverage. And you know what? I've spent many times uh, sitting around, you know, with a group of friends or at a bar and it can be something for women too. And it should be, and they should, you know, feel just as comfortable. So, you know, guys, there's not, you know, it's not about girly beers or, you know, this is a manly beer. Just beer is beer, man. And just be kind when you see people out there and make them feel welcome in the community. Learn something from them. Even if they're a new beer drinker, there's probably something you can learn from them. And, you know, we're not, this isn't fine wine. It's not, you know, 25 year old scotch that's $400 a bottle. Like this is beer. Beer is meant to bring people together and it's meant to have fun. Yeah. And- so a couple of things I would add to that. Uh, first is if you're, maybe you're coming at it from the other side of the coin, which is, you know, maybe you don't know a ton about beer. Maybe you're going to a brewery and you just kind of want to explore. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Some of the best beer memories that I've had from a brewery have been when, you know, I've sat down either with friends or with my wife and we've had the good fortune of sitting at the bar while a brewer is serving the beer. And we've had the opportunity to kind of ask questions like, you know, what's the difference between cask aged and nitro. And it's been, those have been great experiences because the brewers go into a lot of detail about the different styles. A lot of times they'll give you things to try and, uh, that's happened. That's happened to us several times in Portland. Uh, it happened to us in Denver, and it's happened to us a number of times here in Austin, where it's just been very educational, very informative to sit down and talk to somebody who knows more than you do about it. It's a lot of fun. And then the second thing I'll say is, you know, recently in Austin, I think it was called Pink Boots. Does that sound familiar? Yep, to you? Yep. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, it's the Pink Boots. It's a Brewers Association, yeah. Okay. And so correct me if I'm wrong here, you guys, but the Pink Boots season, festival, extravaganza, I don't know what it is, but uh, it's it's a series here in Austin where women either brew the beer or collaborate with the brewers on recipes for beer and... I mean, I had some exceptional beers that were part of that Pink Boots series. And a lot of them were IPAs, hazy IPAs, double IPAs that were great. So, yeah, get out there and try those things. Absolutely. Well, uh, well put. Uh, Nick, do you have anything you want to add to this? Oh, just, yeah, what you all have said has been spot on. Uh, Beer is uh, the drink of the people. There is nothing that brings, you know, more people together than a beer. Uh, that's something that we all do all over this planet is there's, there are beers to be had no matter where you go. And it's exciting, I think, when you have so many new people, uh, so many beginners that are trying, uh, getting out there and trying new things. The, uh, you never know what's going to be uh, the gateway beer. So you, you just got to try them all, right? Uh, go ahead. Yeah, and you don't want to know which you don't want to re- reject them. And yeah, you don't ever know which one is going to click. Whichever one is going to be that eye-opening experience, which kind of ties into the style of beer that we're doing today. Because the one we're doing today is definitely uh, one of those eye-opening beers for me. No, yeah, for sure. Thanks, guys. Uh, appreciate that. You know, just hey, we're all here for uh, for each other in this community. And it's more fun the more people and the more ideas and the more different beers and different styles that are, you know, brought back. And let's just have fun, y'all. Um, so get to know our hosts a little bit better. Sometimes to do with this or that. What famous dad are you? This time, order these three things from most favorite to least favorite. MLB, 
NFL, NBA, the big three sports, and why is NBA always last? Anyways, Chris, order order the three big sports. Okay, yeah. So I'm going in exactly the same order you said them. For me, MLB is that's my fave. I love the chess match that goes on between pitcher and hitter. I love the playing the odds. Is this guy going to be able to hit this? Um, and I love, you know, from the hitter's perspective, it's like, well, in this count, in this situation, he typically throws this. And so I just, I love that chess match between pitcher and hitter. I just think it's, it's exciting. I know a lot of people can't stand baseball. They're like, well, I like, I like it live, but watching it on TV just bores me to tears. I'm not one of those people. I love I love the game within the game. I love like in this count, what's this guy more likely to throw? I love, you know, I just I love all of that. So to, for me, MLB number one. Second is NFL. I was born and raised, as I've said, in South Louisiana. I've been a lifelong Saints fan. I remember when people would go to the games wearing bags on their heads that said Aints instead of Saints. So when they won the Super Bowl in 2009, well, it was 2010, the 2009 season, I wept. Like, I, yeah, it was a very emotional time for me. Uh, funny story. So I was at Pine House Pizza on a Monday night. I was by myself. I'm not sure why I ended up on there on a Monday night by myself. But I was sitting down at the bar next to a guy who I had just met that night. And it happened to be the night that uh, Drew Brees set the NFL passing yards record. It was a Monday night. They were playing the Redskins. And I'm sitting there like having a kind of a passive conversation with this dude who I just met. And Drew Brees throws this pass. It's the one that sets the uh, NFL record for passing yards. And I just, (laughs) I started like tearing up and weeping at the bar and the dude just like looked at me and was like, uh, you okay, man? <laughs> and, uh, quickly, very promptly said, uh, um, check please. <laughs> and, uh, and walked out of there. Say the, the beer is just so good. It's just so tasty. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, I'm a NFL is next for me, especially the saints. I'm a saints fan. Uh, and then NBA is, last i'm i'm a kind of a rockets fan but a very passive rockets fan nice nice all right nick order those three sports well as a born and bred texan there is no other option for me about what's number one and that would be nfl of course football is king just the the style of play is just for me i have you know lot i mean just lots of fond memories over football. Uh, so for me, that's definitely number one. I know you didn't include it, but I'm going to go ahead and modify MLB to college baseball right now. I find that to be a much more exciting product at the moment. I love going into the seventh inning knowing that just because you're up by nine runs, this game isn't over. We could have a 12-run inning, and that is completely common uh, inside college baseball. Uh, so for me, I think that's much more exciting to watch right now. Uh, MLB is a little tough uh, at the moment, you know, being a, an Astros fan and all. And I'd have to go. I don't even I feel bad putting it number three. So I'm going to call it number two B uh, is NBA. Basketball is uh, definitely just a sport that I've played the longest in my life. I grew up playing basketball first. Uh, so I guess you could say that's my first love. Just watching NBA games. Those are the best athletes in the world. I mean, they're just absolute freaks of nature. You get them all on a on a team like that. It's just a joy to watch. Nice. You know, everybody's entitled to their own opinion. One of my first memories of Nick is lining up across from him. I was, a, again, freshman. He was a senior. And he had quite the reputation of being terrifying. And so I was lined up across from him one of my first days of football practice ever because I didn't play football until I got to high school. And it was a drill where he was basically supposed to just knock the sense out of me. And he came charging at me full blast as soon as the whistle blew. And I was just ready to have my last rights read to me. 
and he stops within like an inch of me and just touches me on the shoulder pads. And it was, you know, like uh, angels in the outfield and Christopher Lloyd had like come down and stopped this from happening. I was so relieved. And, uh, you know, Nick's reputation was not completely accurate. Um, he's a, a sweet guy and has only become uh, kinder with age and children. That feels a little overblown. Well, you know, I'm trying to be nice to you. But yeah, so anyways, if I had to order the three sports as a born and bred Texan, I would have to say baseball is still the first for me. Uh, Much like Chris said, you know, there's the game inside the game. And by that, I don't mean analytics. Get that out of my face. They definitely have their place, but sometimes it's just a bit too much. But at the same time, I love the... Well, the last time this happened was in 1896 with, uh, you know, Cleveland Hobnobbers and blah, blah, you know, these like random stats because the broadcasters have to fill time on the air and, and also the voices of baseball, you know, your Finn Scully's Harry Carey, my favorite, rest in peace, Milo Hamilton. Um, they just, they painted pictures for you and they just, turning on the radio and listening to them, it just brings back so many fond memories. And I think there's a romanticism that surrounds baseball, you know, playing on dirt fields growing up and going to the game. And, you know, it's, it's, I just don't get that feeling with any other sport. Not saying it can't happen, but for me, baseball just has that, that sense of romanticism. Next would have to be the NFL. Um, I definitely, I didn't grow up playing football. Um, I did grow up an Oilers fan until they left. Uh, my dad's family is from the Houston area, so we were Oilers fans. They left. Some people went to the Cowboys. Gross. I wasn't going to follow them to Tennessee, so a girl I liked in third grade was from Wisconsin and was a Packers fan, and I said, yeah, why not? It's football season. I'll, I'll cheer for the Packers. And next thing I know, they won the Super Bowl with Favre, and I've been a fan ever since. Been uh, lucky enough to visit Lambeau a few times, uh, see the uh, Packers down here a couple times. The last time they won a Super Bowl is actually at Nick's parents' house. So uh, NFL would have to be second, and third would be the NBA. I think when I was younger and played it a little bit more, I enjoyed it more. I think I also enjoyed more when it was a kind of a sport that focused on the team a little bit more. And I feel like now it's kind of shifted to individual stars and who's going to team up with whom. And, you know, I'm a Spurs fan and they pretty much always still play team ball. You know, Pop's a great coach, but I just feel like that's kind of missed uh, a little bit in other parts of the league. So that's a little bit about getting to know your hosts. Next, we're going to pass it off to Nick for a little bit and let him take us down memory lane, tell us a a good joke, and then uh, have his little parenting situation. So Nick, take it away. So yeah, join me down memory lane. Memory lane for me, this is one of my first parenting memories regarding my oldest child, Vivian, uh, when she had first began to walk. I share this one. This is going to be the first one where I I felt like she she started to to take her first steps away from me. Uh, And maybe I'm being a little overdramatic here, but I distinctly remember bringing her to her very first kind of, not even pre-K, what do you call it? It's like a daycare mom's out program type of thing to where she only goes a couple days a week. But I remember the very first day that I brought her there, uh, I had no clue how she would react, no clue how I would react. And she just hopped right in, took to it. Uh, I got to watch her over the security camera uh, as she entered the classroom for the first time. She had, you know, when I left her, she was at the back of the line. But by the time that we were able to to view her on the monitor, she had somehow made it up to the front of the line. Uh, And she was just literally high stepping and bounding to get into that classroom. Uh, And that was the that was like the first time I realized, like, oh, man, that's uh, my little girl is like a little human being. Uh, And she's like, uh, you know, she's she's taking her own steps now. She's she's going to go off and make her own friends. It comes quick. And I got a man. I got I got a. I got kind of unexpectedly emotional. Uh, did did not really see it coming, but you know that's that's life. If you're doing it right, then that's how it's supposed to work out, right? Yeah, no, for sure. It's they crawl, then they walk, and then they you know somehow are going off to college. It's it all happens very quickly, but at the same time, kind of slow. It's it's just man, time is weird when you're when you're a parent and you're starting to raise kids. I feel you on that one. Um, so what, what do you have for us as a joke of the week there, Nick? Well, that 
is going to have to wait. I've got something to talk about. I'm really, really worried about the uh, calendar this year. Does this have to do with fish again? Uh, no, its days are numbered. Oh. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, well played, sir. Well, I, you know what? You get the gold star for the week. Hey, all right. I'll take it. So we like to talk about situations that we encounter as parents and maybe kind of how other folks would handle them. If you want to write us a situation that you have found yourself in that you would like to see how we would have handled it or, you know, just tell us about something funny that happened or weird or unfortunate or difficult that happened with your kids, please feel free. Beerswithdadpod at gmail.com or hit us up on the socials, beerswithdadpod. So Nick, you got anything for us this week? Uh, I do. And I think that this is something that could be a recurring theme for every parent out there, every parent who has raised young children, uh, infants especially, I think can relate to this at some point. We had had to take, so my youngest son, my only son, I don't know about my youngest son, my only son, who was the youngest of my two children, uh, Action, he uh, was born with an inguinal hernia, which is a uh, pretty common. Uh, but at, oh, what was it, at nine months, um, it was starting to protrude a little bit more than than we would like and so we needed to get that repaired uh most you know very common surgery so that's not that's not something we were ever worried about uh but it being 2020 and covid running rampant at the time means we have to go before we can take them into the operating room we have to get uh, a covid test so i you know the day before his procedure is scheduled i take him to the designated testing site uh where a nurse is going to come out to our car and stick a, a long q-tip up his nostril so already dreading that. Uh, by the time we had parked, I was noticing a very, very strong smell coming from the rear seat. And you can probably guess where this is going. And yes, Action had pooped. But he had not only pooped, he had somehow managed to kind of shimmy his butt off to the side and completely miss the diaper. Now, I don't mean like some of it got out of the diaper and it was a blowout situation. I mean, none of it got in the diaper. The diaper was completely off to the side somehow and failed at its job entirely. So the poop is contained by nothing but his onesie and the car seat at this point. Um, and this is the point, of course, when the nurse decides to come out, uh, as I have the, the car door open, just now discovering what a horrible mess is in my back seat. Uh, so the nurse comes out, <laughs> bless her heart, is uh, sees me a little bit wide eyed and uh, shaken up, honestly. And she's like, is this, you know, I'll come back. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you'll, you'll need to come back. So I am trying to clean up this, at this point, screaming child. He is not having a good time at all. I'm not having a good time. He's not having a good time. I'm trying to clean him up. You know, all I have are wipes uh, trying to get this, this poop filled onesie off of his head it somehow it had somehow gotten up and in the onesie and as i was taking the the onesie over his head all of it then transferred to the back of his head as i was pulling it off so <laughs> i have a screaming baby covered in poo uh, i have a car seat covered in poo uh, i have clothes baby clothes covered in poo and at this point i you know i'm, I'm too close to it at this point i am also covered in poo and so, yeah, I, I, the, the nurse comes back out to check on us. And we're all just wide eyed. You know, I'm not I'm, I'm almost screaming, uh, but we're all just completely covered in poop. And so the nurse finally, <laughs> finally takes pity on me and, and brings me out like, you know, some uh, some like, you know, heavy duty kind of like the, the heavy duty wipes that they have in hospitals. Uh, and that was an immense help. Finally got the baby cleaned up. Finally, you know, got myself a little cleaned up. The clothes, clothes went in the dumpster. Car seat, ooh, man, the car seat cover almost went in the dumpster, but we only had one of those. So I had to keep that. And so to finish it all off, Action still needs to get his COVID test. So after he is done getting cleaned, you know, screaming all the while as, you know, deservedly so as he should be, it's horrible. And then I then have to sit him down on my lap uh, and, and hold him still so he could get a long Q-tip stuck up his nose and tickle his brain for, you know, however many seconds that takes. And it was, it was, it was awful. 
<laughs> so, I mean, I can see that. So there I was, covered in poop, holding a screaming baby. So I applaud you for your bravery. I guess the one like upside there is that he's already mad. And so like it's not like he's going from pleasant and peaceful to then Q-tip jamming in the nose. But um, it's just... It sounds awful. I think from last week's episode where we also talked poo, we know that Chris would have taken everyone out of the car, mm-hmm. put a brick on the gas pedal, and then shifted it into drive and just let it, you know, hopefully run off a cliff and, and burn into flames. Is that about right, Chris? That's that's accurate. Yes. I think for me, uh, I had a very similar situation with my son and vomit. It, I couldn't, I was able to handle handle it just because of the situation in a slightly different way than you did, Nick. I think if I'm in your shoes, the only thing I maybe do different is just try and tear the onesie off instead of taking it over the head. And uh, I I think at that point I'm calling hopefully someone else who's got a similarly sized car seat that can come and and help with that piece. That's I think that's the only the only thing different that I really I really do there. Were you at least able to reuse the diaper that didn't catch any of the poo? <laughs> uh, no, it had gotten it had gotten uh, torn, shredded, and and pooified when trying to take it off. Gotcha. There was nothing. Nothing was safe. Nothing was clean. Fantastic. That that just sounds like a really, really terrible, awful, no good, very bad situation. So thanks for sharing. Yes. Well, one last thing. If I ever start a death metal band, I'm definitely naming it Poop Filled Onesie. <laughs> Everybody can relate. Oh, man. Well done. Yeah. So um, this week, we're going with a bit of a different style, but one that's definitely of the season, and it is the Hefeweizen. And unlike the pre- uh, previous weeks where I've gone off on a long monologue about the style of beer. This uh, was Nick's choice. And so I'm going to let him start off and kind of tell us about the Hef and, you know, his thoughts as to what makes it special and why he picked it for our style of the week. So again, take it away, Nick. All right. So touched on it very briefly. This is a Hefeweizen style is one of the styles that was a real eye opener for me, Uh, particularly this live oak Hefeweizen that we're about to taste here. But it's a very, very old traditional style. This beer has been brewed for centuries, literally centuries in Bavaria. It's an ale, so top fermenting yeast. It's unfiltered. That's what gives it that nice kind of a glowing haze that it has to it. If, you know, if you're ever holding it up to the light, it, it can look like your glass is frosted over, but that's, that's just the beer. That's just the style. It's got that nice haze to it. Um, but this this style of beer for me was eye-opening because, you know, at this point in my craft drinking exploration, you know, it was really kind of Sierra Nevada that opened the door. So I was familiar with the hoppy side of what craft beer can offer. I was familiar with those nice piney and resiny tones that you get, that you can get out of the hops. And of course, I'm familiar with those malty and bready notes that you get. That's that's pretty ubiquitous to a lot of beers out there. Uh, but this beer was the very first one where you I, I realized that you can get flavors, you know, from the yeast as well. Uh, this beer's trademark flavors being kind of like a clove flavor, a little bit of a, a banana flavor, almost kind of like a like a banana laffy taffy, really. The, those flavors are derived purely 100% from the compounds that are produced by a very specific strain of yeast. If you know, if you're not using a hefeweizen yeast, that you know that that yeast that you're using is not going to produce those flavors. It can you know look the same, but not taste or smell the same. And that was something that was just kind of like, huh? I had I had no idea beer could do that. I had no idea beer could taste this way. So that's definitely a style uh, that's had a special place with me. You know, you always remember your first, uh, and this was the first one for me where I realized that that yeast could be such a uh, a potent ingredient. Yeah, no, I think that's one of the things that makes this beer really interesting is that it does come down to the yeast. I mean, you know, you do have, it's a wheat beer, so the grain bill is going to be at least 50%, usually more wheat as opposed to, you know, malted barley or something else. So it, and it's going to be unfiltered, like Nick said, it's a great point. And I think this is the first time we're going with a local option on our tasting. 
uh, we've, you know, before tried to do more of the kind of nationally available beers. Uh, however, we are very, very fortunate. And I think this might be why we don't really know too many other hefts is because one of the kind of consensus best hefts made period, but especially in America, is the Live Oak Hefeweizen made uh, here in Austin, Texas at the Live Oak Brewery. This style, like Nick said, I mean, it goes back to, I think, the 16th century and was brought over to the U.S. by German immigrants kind of in the 19th century and then somewhat died out a bit there for a while, uh, was kind of brought back with, uh, you know, post-World War II in southern Germany and then slowly kind of made its way, gaining more popularity in Germany and in the area. And then really it was, I think, Nick, you kind of brought this up earlier. It was really craft brewers who brought this style to prominence in the U.S. There wasn't really a Budweiser or, you know, any of those kind of big craft brewers that had a Hef. It was really these kind of smaller breweries. And so, you know, when I think of Hefs that are widely known in the U.S., Aside from the live oak, um, you know, I think of maybe a, a pyramid hefeweizen. That's a pretty, pretty solid. You know, I kind of think of maybe a Widmer out of Oregon. It's a pretty decent half. But then aside from that, I think of the German ones. Um, you know, I think it's give me, you know, please excuse my pronunciation, but Weihenstefaner, Weihenstefaner. Weihenstefaner. There you go. They're one of the probably the most popular German uh, hefts. And then like Hofbrauhaus has one that they do. Um, I think one of the reasons that some of the like you really should get a local hef is just the freshness makes a huge difference. And so with some of those German hefts coming over, you might not always get the freshest. And this is one of the styles, unlike the Russian Imperial style we did last week, that's definitely affected by the freshness. So I will also say coming into this, Hef is not my bag. It's something that I definitely understand its place. And I definitely, certain scenarios and especially Texas summers, Hefeweizen is great. It's just not one of the ones that's really my style. So I don't have a ton of them. So it'll be interesting to go back to this beer after so many years and give it a taste. But Chris, kind of what are your thoughts on uh, Hefeweizen's? I am right there with you, John. It's not ever been my favorite style. I have a thing with bananas. Like, I just, I can't do them. So does my wife. And, yeah. And um, the I, I find that hef, wheat beers in general have kind of a banana or, if, if, the, if there's not a strong, like, banana presence, there's a strong bubblegummy presence. And I, I'm not a huge fan of either of those things. Again, similar to you, it's been a really long time since I've had one of these things. So I'm curious to see if I still feel the same way. Yeah, no. Well, all right. <laughs> <laughs> your your style is terrible. You're an awful person. Your choice and is bad like and you, you should feel bad. <laughs> no, I mean, I think it's though it's one of the things doing this podcast, though. I think we're all going to pick styles that others aren't uh, super excited about. I mean, you know, I'm sure at some point we're going to get into the Belgians and I just, I've never been a big Belgian guy, um, whether it's, you know, a wit beer or it's, um, you know, a Belgian double or triple. It's just not my thing. And so I think it's, it'll be interesting to kind of step back from personal preference and just really sit down and, and give our thoughts on this beer. And then also to have somebody who's all about this style like Nick and just kind of have a back and forth. Well, uh, good thing. One of the great things about personal preference is that you're never wrong. Yeah. And I mean, I'm a lover of beer and, you know, I will make every stop along the journey. Some I will like a lot more than others, but I will always give it a try. Yeah. Some are Formula One pit stops and some are week long vacations, you know, that's right. But it, it'll still it'll still be a stop. So with that, gents, let's pour our beer of the week. The Live Oak Hefeweizen. I mean, it does look very similar to a New England style IPA. Yeah, it's interesting because that that haze is kind of something that's thought of as new with that IPA style. And you come back and like, oh, well, there are other beers that have done the haze before, but you can tell that this is not going to kind of be the same haze because of the kind of different. I mean, you can almost see it in the size of the bubbles, as weird as that sounds, but it's a nice 
straw, kind of pale yellow color, very quickly disappearing thin head. Yeah, it just, I mean, if we're comparing it to hazy IPAs, this one just looks like it's going to finish a little bit lighter bodied. Oh, for sure. Yeah, as far as the haze goes. This this one kind of makes you feel like you, you know, like you said, Nick, your glass is frosted over. Like, if I just wipe it more, this will be less hazy. Mm, yeah. On the nose, I don't get as much of kind of the banana that I was expecting. I just get, I get a bit of the clove, but it's seemingly kind of well-balanced and more of a, mm-hmm. a tickle than a, a punch in the nose. Yeah, I agree. Very clovey, but yeah, I'm not getting the... I'm not getting the banana that I thought it would. Oh, just wait for it. You know, I have to say, I can see why this is number one. When you talk about hefts, again, not just in the U.S. or Texas, but really worldwide, that this is number one because it is extremely well balanced. Mm-hmm. You know, you taste it and you do, you know, as you kind of take it around your palate, you do get some banana. You do get some clove. You do kind of get some of that, like Nick saying, Laffy Taffy you know, banana Laffy Taffy taste, which is very distinct from like banana bread. Sure. Yeah. It's a much more of a banana flavor than it is. Like a, a candy you know, banana. banana. Yeah. It, but I get the wheat too. I actually kind of taste that grain and it just finishes very cleanly. Unlike, you know, last week we did the Imperial Stout. It doesn't coat your palate. I, this is extremely drinkable. And to me, even as maybe not the biggest fan of this style, very very well balanced it's got a nice kind of light and bubbly mouthfeel to it uh which i i find very refreshing chris what do you have for us uh well i can see why this is um nick i can see why you picked this beer uh for the summertime you know we're recording this in june it's austin texas it's 90 degrees outside and this is actually quite refreshing I, you know, I totally, I totally agree. I mean, I think, you know, I went to last week, I went to Pilsner's um, and I feel like my answer was a little bit biased by hearing Chris's answer first. Um, Not that I would say that the Hef necessarily would be my number one choice for a summer beer. I, after the episode and in editing realized like I totally forgot about Goes. I, is that Nick? Can you give me an official, what do you, how do you pronounce the G-O-S-E beer? Goza is how I've heard Goza. it most pronounced in professional circles. Obviously, I'll just put it that way. That's kind of where I've leaned before, but to me, that's that's a great summer beer. But getting away from that, I can see why this is, it's a classic. It, it's not just a classic because we live in Austin where it's made. It, it's really a classic for the style. And, you know, it's kind of funny because it's a it's a style that's native to Bavaria. It's native to, you know, Germany. And, and I feel like a lot of things, we do it just a little bit better than the Germans. No offense. But, you know, one thing we talked about last week that I think a lot of times is only thought of when you're talking the hazy IPAs or stouts is the mouthfeel on this. And while it does have carbonation to it, I feel like they're very fine bubbles, which kind of lends itself to the drinkability. It's not like super kind of bubbly on your palate. They're nice, kind of very, very small bubbles. So it helps that kind of refreshing feeling that, you know, kind of ease of drinkability. Man, that's great pick, Nick. Oh, thank you. It's one we, you know, one we definitely should do. It's it's a classic style, like you said. It's been around. I mean, this is one of those. It's it's a wheat beer. Um, while it's not maybe the hearty, hefty, you know, going to keep you and sustain you through the day. I mean, it's definitely got some, uh, you know, it's got some of that bread behind it, and so it's it's a great beer. This is a sit out on the porch, watch the sunset type of beer on a, on a hot summer. I'm summering. Yeah. I'm I'm glad you picked this because it's it's been a really long time since I've had one of these and uh, I'm glad you picked it because I was overdue. Excellent. Really enjoyed it. I think, man, anytime uh, we sit down and really take the time to think about the beer we're drinking and and really just make it about the beer, there are interesting things that come out of it. And I don't know that I've really ever sat back and thought about a, a live oak hef or, you know, I think this was more of maybe a beer of my youth more than, you know, beer that I've really had a lot recently. But I definitely, definitely see why it's, you know, it's as popular of a style as it is. And they just, they do it well. Um, I would say with this one, again, freshness, I feel is very important and try the, try your local hefts. I think a lot of breweries will bust out a hef in the summer months and you know, it's again, it's a top fermenting beer. So 
correct me if I'm wrong, Nick, but this can be brewed pretty quickly. So it's you know probably pretty common for brewers to have in the summer months. Uh, yes, you're correct. This one is all you know, relatively speaking, uh, fairly straightforward uh, recipe. Uh, fairly, fairly easy one to brew. Yeah, I would say this is one of those like go out to your local farmers markets and you know see what is fresh in the season. Go out to your local breweries and give your you know give your local hef a try. And with that. You know, it's been another educational, fun time getting together with the two of y'all. Next episode will be Chris's choice on the Wheel of Styles. So looking forward to that one. But gents, until then, it was good talking to you as always. Yeah, enjoyed it, man. Thank you again, Nick. This was a great pick. I'm glad y'all enjoyed it. Cheers, y'all. All right. And for everyone out there, please don't touch the thermostat.